Welcome to Give to Caesar, where we will help you align your heart and mindset with God's word about managing your finances well and how to do kingdom business that changes the world. Here's your host, Doug Gard. Hey, welcome to Give to Caesar. This is the podcast where we talk about the Bible and our finances. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about saving, talk about how to save, if we should be saving, uh, really looking into it from a biblical perspective. According to a study by Go Banking Rates, 57% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Now, that can cause a lot of stress in your life. Uh, It can also lead to depression, anxiety, heart disease, relationship problems, etc. So if we take a look at what the Bible says about saving, the Bible has a ton of verses that can give us wisdom about our finances, and the area of saving is no different. First question that we need to ask is, should we be saving? According to 1 Timothy 6.17, our hearts need to be right about it. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never forsake you. And then, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's 1 Timothy 6.10. Proverbs 16.8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. So we have to keep our hope in God, who is our provider, and we have to guard our hearts to not make money an idol. In Mark chapter 10, uh, we read about the rich man that Jesus encountered. Uh, Starting with verse 17, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. See, Jesus knew what was in the man's heart. It is possible to be rich and still follow Jesus, though. If it were impossible, then wealthy men like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Job, and many others throughout the Bible would be shut out of eternal life. Not only that, but Jesus was not poor. That is for another time. Next, we must be wise and seek out wise counsel. Uh, Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 19.2 says, Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. The Bible also teaches about planning ahead. Luke 14.28-30 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest 
after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. We also see in the story of Joseph that we have to prepare for bad times. You know, Joseph had to prepare for um, a famine. In fact, um, Pharaoh had had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, uh, went out to the river, and there came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed upon the among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again, and he had a very similar dream with seven heads of grain. Um, he woke up again after that and realized it had been a dream. In the morning, he was really troubled. So he called for his magicians and wise men, and none of them could interpret the dream. Finally, someone had said, hey, Joseph can interpret the dream for you. And so Joseph was telling him that there's going to be seven years of plenty. There's going to be you know, seven years of big harvest and everything, but then there's going to be seven years of famine. So if we pick it up, from Genesis 41, 34 to 36, it says, Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Uh, Genesis 41, a few lines down from there, verses 47 to 49, says, During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. In Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8, we read, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So we can see in the Bible that there are several places where saving is a virtue, where we need to be looking at saving. So if we look at our economy, we can see trends of good years and bad years, where the economy is growing and where we have recessions. So obviously we want to take the wisdom that's in the Bible and put that into play in our lives. So if we know that we have these cycles, we should be taking money, setting it aside for saving for those times, during those times of abundance, for the times when it's not going to be as abundant, during those famine times. Okay, I have just a few more verses on saving. Proverbs twenty one twenty: The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Uh, so obviously we don't want to be eating everything that we have. We want to be able to keep some of it back to make sure that we have enough going forward. Proverbs twenty one five: The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. So we want to make sure that we are uh, being diligent with what we have and helping that to grow. First Corinthians sixteen two says, "On the first day of every week." Now here they were talking about putting the the giving together, the tithe together. 
On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So again, it was preparing for something, you know, whether you're saving for a vacation or a home or something like that. It's making a plan to do that. Now, what do you do with what you have saved? In Matthew 6, 19 to 20, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So how do we take that and apply that to our saving here? What I believe is we are meant to use the money that God is providing to us to help bless other people. So it's not about saving money to hoard it, you know, to keep it all. It's to save it and to be asking God what to do with it. Um, Most people know the story about the talents. I'm going to go through that real quick because I think that's important here. Uh, If we look at Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey, called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when we receive from God, we need to do something with it. We can't just sit on it. We can't just put it in, you know, under the mattress or whatever and be trying to protect it and have nothing happen with it. God wants us to use what he gives us to grow it for him, to grow it for the kingdom. Um, So what's one of the things that we can do with it? As this parable talked about, we should be investing it. Uh, One of the best things to invest in that will get you your biggest return on investment is investing in yourself, learning new skills, learning what the Bible teaches about money, finding a course on it, getting in a Bible study about it, 
anything where you can spend a little time and if you have to spend money on books or whatever, that's a great investment. So as followers of Christ, we are on assignment. And that assignment is not to retire and do nothing. In fact, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about retirement. Does this mean that we have to work at a job all of our lives? No, but it does mean that we are not our own. We belong to the king and we need to go to him to see what we should be doing to get our assignment on a daily basis. And the same thing with the money that we have been entrusted with. If we've been saving it, if we've been investing it, what should we do with it? And we need to go to the Father and ask him on that. So saving itself is not about saving to spend. It's about saving saving to sow. That does not mean that God doesn't want you to enjoy what he's given you. He does, and we will explore that at a later time. But he does want us to sow into the kingdom, sow into others, sow into ministries. It could be sowing into a ministry that you're passionate about. It could be sowing into yourself, like I said before. It can be whatever God directs you to. And that is the main point. Everything you have is God's. We need to recognize our king and allow him to direct where the money goes that he has brought into our lives. So now we know that we should be saving. How do we save? For some who are living paycheck to paycheck, it can be really tough. But let's go over a couple of ideas to help get you started. Uh, Number one is to create a budget. I know people hate that word, but it's basically telling your money where to go. There's a couple ways of doing it. You can do it exact dollar amounts and, you know, do it that way. Or you can use a percentage rule. I know some people have talked about 80-10-10, where you use 80% for your living expenses, save 10%, and put another 10% towards debt. You can use a lot of different percentages. I've seen 70-10-10-10, where you're doing 70% to live on, 10% for tithing, 10% for debt, 10% for saving. Whatever works for you, that's between you and God on how you set that up. But you do want to set something up. That's part of being diligent and part of being wise with what you have. Now, you can set up your account so that you are saving automatically, either directly from your paycheck or maybe automatically transferring it from an account into a savings account. You want to build an emergency fund, um, like we said at the beginning of this episode, 57% of people don't even have $1,000 in savings. So we want to make sure that we are getting ready for that famine as much as we can. It starts with building an emergency fund, something small. $1,000 would be great to get started with. You want to get it up to three, four months, maybe even six months of living expenses at some point. Now you can track your spending over a month. Um, or even look back over the last month to three months on your checking account, on your bank statements. And you can identify where you're spending money. And you will see some things pop up where you didn't realize how much you were spending in certain categories. Those are areas that you can actually um, cut back on and actually use that money towards savings or for debt reduction. Another thing to do is, is to avoid debt. You want to avoid credit cards, you know, pay off the cards every month, those kind of things. We will discuss later about um, how to use debt properly. But in the meantime, if you're looking to try to figure out how to get started on saving, avoid that as much as you can. Make a plan. You know, if there's something that you are wanting to save up for, um, you want to figure out how much that's going to be and start setting aside money for that. 
You could refinance things. You can refinance your mortgage or your car and try to get a lower interest rate. When you do purchase something, make sure you're purchasing something that's a little bit higher quality. It's going to last longer. It's going to feel better. It's going to give you a lot more pluses than trying to nickel and dime everything. I don't believe that that's what God has for us. Um, if you have kids, you know you want to start saving for college early if if that's in their uh, future. And then finally, you know, save money on necessary expenses. You know, look to see how you can get things down a little bit in that area. Maybe you don't need all the channels on cable or something like that. Um, you should always be pricing out different things every year. You know, your, uh, your homeowner's insurance, your cell phone, you know, look to see if you can get cheaper deals. One area is cable TV and internet services. A lot of times you get a lower rate for a while and then it goes up. Uh, those are really good things to try to cut back on. If you have a subscription or a membership that you're not using, one way of saving money is to cancel those things. You can use coupons to stores, plan your groceries. I know my wife and I, we have had times where we've gone three or four weeks just eating out of our pantry. You know, it's amazing how much stuff we can accumulate in the pantry or wherever. Another idea that's worked for my wife and I in the past is using, is using an envelope budgeting system. Uh, we would take part of our money, the things that we were going to use for groceries, gas, date night, whatever, and we would actually put that in separate envelopes. And it made it a lot nicer to look at and say, hey, do we have money to go out for a date tonight? Yeah, it's right here. Um, so that's a great way of doing that. And you can also set up a, an envelope for saving and then get that into an account. So there are a lot of ways of saving money. The secret to it is to just pick something and start doing it. It doesn't matter how small it is. Things take time to change. You know, we fall into habits and it's really hard to break. So just find one thing that you can do. You can search on Google for ways of saving money, anything like that. But just look on, you know, just try to find one thing to do, whether it's cutting a, an expense, whether it's using an envelope system, whatever it is, just find something and do that. Um, wish you all the best. Bless you, and we'll see you the next time on the next episode of Give to Caesar. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Give to Caesar. For more information and to connect with Doug, go to givetocaesar.com and visit us on Facebook at Give to Caesar. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe and share with a friend.